lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, here we go. Welcome to the PWCC Weekly Hockey Auction Live coverage. It is Sunday night, September the 17th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. And as always, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining last time as well. We are going to jump right in and bring out our co-host, your friend and mine, Mr. Josh Madigan of the Hockey Cards Gong Show. Josh, how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. We're in the beautiful season in Minnesota where the weather's actually nice. We get like 10 days a year, so we're soaking it in right now. Got the dog out three times today for a walk. It's been awesome, man. Very nice. I am in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which for those of you that don't know, I am currently located just north of North Dakota, which is, you know, central United States. That's where I am. And uh looks like I may actually be here now for uh, the Thursday PWCC premiere show as well with our friend Adam Gray. But uh, that is not till Thursday. But do keep in mind, big premiere episode coming up, PWCC premiere auction episode coming up this coming Thursday, amazing auction they have going on then. But tonight we are here to focus on the weekly hockey auction. I believe there's 201 hockey cards listed tonight, ending tonight, I should say, in the PWCC weekly auction. I believe this is weekly auction number 87, which is kind of hard to believe. Josh, we got started back in the 50s or 60s. I think we're coming up on our 30th episode of doing this show together, which is a milestone in and of itself. Pretty cool to think about that. But uh, about 201 items in the auction tonight. We have selected 42 to look at, which is a healthy number for us, Josh. And I'll, I'll just let everybody know right off the top here. I don't remember the exact number, but like seven or eight or nine of them are my cards that I can sign to PWCC. So I'm excited to let you know which ones those are when we get to them. And, uh, you know, hear what you think, Josh, about all the cards, of course. There's 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 some cool stuff tonight. There's a couple. There's one card I think is totally hilarious. I can't wait till we we look at that. You guys will, will see it. Uh, before we do jump in and get into the cards, let's say good evening to the professor. Always good to see the professor in the house. Jake Dahl, happy Sunday to you. Double V. Mike, what is going on? Welcome back. Our friend Name is here. Name, always good to see you, buddy. Louie. Let's go. Happy Sunday night. And Mike says, lots of vintage tonight. Josh, when you reviewed the auction, preparing for an episode of The Gong Show where you talk about the PWCC weekly, did you notice the same thing that Mike did, that tonight was a, a nice vintage night? Yeah, just in general. You know, you go back maybe a month and a half ago, and we... You know, it was a little sparse. We're in the off season. It's the middle of summer. We may have had what it was a couple of times was like 120 cards in the auction. Now we see that the total number is up to 200. The quality of the cards is getting a little bit better. And I expect that to continue as we ramp up towards the season. In my mind, Jeremy, really, we're entering the next month. And I would say the 
two weeks to 10 days before the, so going maybe the last few days of September into the first week of October, that's the prime selling time in all the year for hockey. It's mm-hmm. the, where hope springs eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's team's undefeated. Mm-hmm. We all think that our favorite player is going to score 50 goals. And, you know, we're, we're kind of hitting that prime time. There's no injuries yet. Nobody, no, injuries. no sophomore slumps yet. No slumps yet. And uh, like you said, Hope springs eternal. I agree. The best time to sell. And, you know, it, it's not nec- just because it's the best time to sell doesn't mean it's the worst time to buy. Because if it when it's the best time to sell, if people are tuned in, that's when there's going to be the best selection as well. And I think we're yeah. just ramping up into that. I'm going to go a layer further and say the second best time to sell. And I think we've discussed this before. It's no shocker is leading into the playoffs. You know, just yeah. like the couple weeks leading in when every team going into the playoffs has a chance to win the Stanley cup, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. a, another good time to sell cards of players who are on one of those 16 teams. That, that's what I think. Does that make sense to you? Are we still on the same page there? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. All right. Richie rocket in the house. What's going on? Our good friend Daniel is here as always. Todd McDonald. Good evening to you. Great way to end the weekend. CC, good evening. Your new background is kind of throwing me off. I'm glad somebody <laughs> noticed. CC, all I did was I took the old one and I just moved things around a little bit so that you could see some information, you know. And I think it's actually good at the bottom here where you can see view and bid at PWCC Marketplace. That way I don't need the ticker going across the bottom, which can be a little distracting, covers up a bit of the screen. And uh, also added at the top, you can see we got the Gong Shows logo, the PWCC logo coming in from the right. I might tighten those up, respace them out, the date, what this is, and of course the bigger PWCC logo. But thanks for noticing that, CC. Gary, good evening to you watching the Patriots, Dolphins, and PWCC with Jeremy Josh. Doesn't get much better. Smiles on our face, Gary. Thank you for that. Abel in Vegas, good evening. Daniel says, I love the SGC7 Bobby Hall that is up for auction tonight. We're going to look at that. There is also a PSA 4.5 Bobby Hall, which is one of my cards tonight that I am auctioning off here on the PWCC weekly platform. So with that, let's get into it and start looking through these 42 cards that we have selected to view. Of course, we're going to be doing this in chronological order, and we're going to kick it off here with two cards from the Imperial Tobacco C56 series which came out in 1910-11. And I'm going to take them. I'm actually, Josh, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram today, but fellow content creator John Newman of the Sports Card Nation podcast deserves a really big shout out tonight because if I, I'm seeing this right now in reference to the C56 cards because the, the, the nomenclature C56 doesn't really mean anything. It's somewhat arbitrary and random. But the gentleman who came up with the convention of for naming all of these pre-war tobacco era, uh, candy bar era cards from the the, the teens, the 20s, the 30s, even the 1800s. His name was Jefferson Burdick, and he passed away a while ago. And uh, John Newman from the Sports Card Nation podcast visited Jefferson Burdick's gravesite uh, today or yesterday, and he and he or he visited yesterday just to see it, I guess. And he noticed that his gravestone was a mess, hadn't been cleaned in years type of thing. He went back again today and he cleaned up this man's gravestone. 
as a steward of the hobby. And I thought that is headline worthy. That is something that is just so cool. And he kind of did a service to the hobby by doing that. And then I read in a discussion with him that not only did he clean up Jefferson Burdick's gravestone, he also cleaned up his parents' gravestones, which I thought was just going above and beyond. And I want to, I want to just express, you know, a gratitude. And I just think it's important that we know that he did this. I think it's really cool. And, um, Jefferson Burdick, along with Dr. Beckett, in my mind, are the grandfathers uh, of, of, of the sports card hobby, the trading card hobby. So big kudos to John Newman, Sports Card Nation, for cleaning off the gravestone of Jefferson Burdick, the man who named all these sets. Josh, any any response, commentary on that? I was just soaking it in. I, I never heard of that gentleman. So, And that's a very cool story. It's always nice when we show respect, really, to, to anyone. And so, you know... That's that's why you're here, Jeremy. That's what, what we all tune in for is to get uh, hear stuff and stories like that. So it, it's uh, pretty cool to hear. And now I have another person added to my list of 10,000 people to learn more about. But there, uh, here we go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Daniel, it really is a great story. Um, okay, so C56 that I did after, after that kind of uh, that, that little tangent, if you will, the C56 series, we have a Riley Hearn and we have a Patty Moran. Patty is definitely a Hall of Famer. Riley Hearn, I'm not sure, probably is. Maybe like almost half the set are Hall of Famers. This is a, a 1.5, a fair 1.5, and the Patty Moran is a 2. But I just, I'm looking at these from this angle and they look really nice for the grade. This Riley Hearn in a PSA 1.5, as we just zoom in a little bit, uh, it, it's a beautiful one and a half. You know, it might have a bit of a crease coming through here. It's hard to tell fisheye here. Corners, you what you would expect, but I'm not seeing anything that is really throwing me off of this card. So I think if you're working on a C56 set, which is the first set of hockey cards ever, this is a, and you're not going for a grade point, you're going for an eye appeal level that you specify, this is a nice Riley Hearn. I think, you, you know, consider that if you are working on the set, and then the Patty Moran in the PSA 2, also pretty darn nice. Really good registration and focus, better than the Riley Hearn has, which isn't that bad, but this is really strong registration and focus. I love that the corner wear is nice and rounded, natural rounding, just like what I like, centering, not too bad, not perfect, but not too bad. But for a 2, I mean, this thing looks really, really nice. So I wanted to highlight those two. And then we've got, this is one of my cards, everybody. And I'm going to just be upfront and, and completely transparent about that, of course. This is from my personal collection. Didn't make the latest cut, but this is a 1933 Opeachy, Charlie Conacher, Hall of Famer, PSA 6, Population 12, 7 graded higher. And this is a card that I am going to miss, but it's just one of those decisions that, that you make when you uh, when you call the collection every so often and one that I'm, I'm willing to move on. I hope it finds a great home. So, Josh, uh, your thoughts on these first three cards? Yeah, they're all cool. And it kind of fits the theme, I think, going back to last week, where we've had some pretty low-grade pre-war vintage cards that seem a lot, that seem pretty nice, actually. And probably good opportunities to pick up the... Patty Moran is one of the cards that we featured on our show. I think Troy talked about it. A really interesting guy. I think he's the earliest goalie to play in the Hall of Fame. Started his career in 1901. And what's kind of interesting about 
one of the sort of fun facts about him that you can see in this card is he wore a big oversized sweaters. And when he played, he would unbutton them and use the sweater to catch pucks. Would that be considered like cheating in today's world, in today's world of hockey? Like if a player found a way to, to make their equipment bigger. Yeah. I don't know. But one of the things too, I, I really appreciate about this card and, and what I look for when looking at like the C56 set is just the, how rich the colors are here. And like you said, how in focus and how clear the registration is on this card uh, for a two. I think this is super nice. Yeah. Like if I didn't already have a complete set of C56, which I do, and I was starting from scratch, these two cards today would be welcome into my my set because they have the eye appeal. They're not like, yeah, they're low grade technically, but especially the Moran. The Hearn, a little bit less because it is, I can see there is registration issues right along the neckline, even off to the side of his face. You can see the ear, even the hairline up here. There are some registration issues even across the top border here, mm-hmm. but it's not that bad. Like it, it would... Wouldn't be my ideal copy, but it would be, you know, budget, considering budgets and all that right now. Let's see. It's sitting at 260, pretty cheap, 625 on the on the Patty Moran, which I think is a is a strong price for a PSA two copy of the card. But I shouldn't say I don't like I'm not thinking of comps or anything. I'm just thinking that oh, six hundred twenty-five dollars for any PSA two seems strong. But he's also a Hall of Famer, and I'm you know, we'll see where this ends up. I could see it going even higher. Uh, are you familiar with Charlie Conacher, Josh? Not, I've, the name is recognizable. I I don't know if we've done like a deep dive on him yet on our show. So is this a card you have multiples of, do you have one of the different color backgrounds or is it just a card that you decided doesn't make the cut at this point in your PC? Yeah, it's just, it's the latter, Josh. I don't have a double. I'm not going to strive to replace it. It's just a card that I've reduced my p because my collection is just so big in my mind anyway that i really went through and i said i want for me the top top tier hall of famers and everyone else now he's close to it like i think eddie shore might be the only higher tier hall of famer in the 33 opeachy set and this is a very nice copy like look like yeah i'm I'm, i'll i'll go through a little bit of sell i don't want to call seller's remorse but a bit of uh uh a bit of seller's gr- I'll go through a bit of a grieving process maybe, but I'm going to get over it. Like it's, it's not, uh, it's just one of those cards. I'm, I'm just going to move on from it. Daniel says Conacher was on a famous Leafs line. I can't remember the name of the line. So that's interesting to know, but yeah, he's a, he's a well-known player. And the Conacher name is a very strong name in hockey too. There were, there were, there was Lionel Conacher, Charlie Conacher, maybe one or two more. Mike says it was called the kid line. Conacher was on the kid line, maybe with with who else? Uh, who's in the 36 set? Um, is it Sid Abel or um, oh, it's not coming to me right now, but yeah, I don't know who I'm curious. Who else was on this line, guys? Do you know? That'd be some some fun trivia. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great card. It's you know, I'm, I'm going to I'll miss it, but I'll be fine, too. And like I said earlier, I want this card to end up in a in a good home in a good Hall of Fame collection or a good 33 OPG collection is what mm-hmm. my hopes are. Of course, I have no control over that, but that's what I hope happens. So we're currently sitting at $2,100 on the Conacher, six and a quarter on the Patty Moran, and 260 on the Riley Hearn. 
And oh, here we go. Primo and Busher Jackson were the other two players. And they though both of those players have their rookie cards in this same set. So uh Primo, not Clancy. Okay, yeah. Oh, you said Clancy up there, Jake. I see. Okay. Primo, Busher Jackson, and Charlie Conacher. Very cool. Thanks, guys, as always, for that information. Next row, more vintage, as you can see, even in the third row. We've got a George Hainsworth 1933 Canadian gum card, the V252. Again, that's a Jefferson Burdick naming convention right there. Uh, $360 for this PSA 4. I like this card, guys. I, I used to own a copy. I don't right now. Uh, you'll notice it doesn't say rookie here. I think his rookie card is from 1925. I actually have a copy of that card, but this is a this is a, a really nice looking card, and he's a Hall of Famer, and this is an important card from the set. We've got the Jacques Plante pre-rookie, or the called the XRC. I don't know if you can call it any of these things, but it's definitely earlier than his 55 Parkhurst rookie. It's the Laval Derry. It's a it's a pretty well-known card for as far as being a you know a bit of an oddball or a, a pre-rookie card. It's a PSA 2.5. Laval Derry was a Derry just outside of Montreal. I actually drove through Laval on my way to the, the Montreal Sport Hobby Expo last year. And I noticed that. I noticed the signs as we're driving through, Josh. I'm like, Laval, Laval Derry. That's what I associated with, with was this particular card here. It's a two and a half. Looks pretty nice. Centering is obviously off a bit to the top. Well, not a bit, maybe a, a lot to the top but still a good looking copy. And then finally, we have a Terry Sawchuck 51 Parkhurst rookie card in a PSA two holder. Let's open this one up and just take a peek at the card, make it a little bit bigger. And this one, yeah, I mean, this is a nice two, Josh. Look at those. The, I love the, the even rounding of the corners. The color is bold up here. The black text below is, is quite bold as well. The red is a bit light. I've seen darker, but I've also seen a lot lighter. I love the I love this cardstock, the toning on the cardstock. It's not toned too much, but you know, you can see it's this this thing is somewhat showing its age. This is really nice for a two, actually. I, I like this a lot. You can see the centering left to right is off. It's got a little bit of clockwise, clockwise tilt, but a really nice card overall in my opinion. How about you, Josh? What do you think of these three? It's a goalie role. It's kind of cool. Uh, the the George Hainsworth is a really cool card. Kind of like the, the design. It's just different from, you know, there's really nothing that compares to it that I've seen since. Uh, you know, goalies are starting to look like more like goalies, going back like the Patty Moran, right? You're starting to see the more pads and the equipment in this era. I don't know a lot about the Jacques Plante, the Laval Derry cards. I don't tend to prefer black and white cards, but that's just yeah. me. And then, yeah, the Sachuk is, is nice. Again, it continues that trend of low grade, really high appeal uh, card. You'd almost expect like a one or a two to be pretty beat up and sure. It's off centered a little bit, It, but it's an, it's a nice looking card and it's cost effective. We've seen sevens with worse centering than this. So, but this has corner issues. We haven't seen the back. Always make sure you're looking at the back yeah. when you are going to bid on any of these cards to everybody out there. I don't need to tell you all that. I'm sure you're well aware. Continuing on with this and more vintage, 
So uh, John Bellabo, this is a PSA four with the above average eye appeal rating by PWCC, meaning the top 30%. So let's take a look and see if we agree with that assessment. And right away, this card does present very nicely. I notice two flaws and I would call them, one of them I would call, you know, a flaw that catches my eye. The other one is more minor. Aside from them, I think this card is very strong for a four. So the first flaw, the first flaw or defect that I notice is this staining right in the top corner here. Yeah. You can see it right here. So something happened there. Maybe it was a bit of a water damage or something. I don't know, some smoke. I'm not exactly sure. And the other thing that I noticed right here was the bottom right corner seems to have a little bit of lift to it. Or maybe it's just fray. I'm not sure. Bottom left corner, you know, very nice for a four. Some, some rounding, of course. Edges look great. Top corners look like you'd expect. The image is wonderful. And the right edge seems to be very nice as well. So I think that the above average eye appeal for this four, I'm actually not, I'm actually not willing to express my opinion on this because I I would want to see more fours before I would actually express my opinion on whether I think the above average eye appeal rating is appropriate in this circumstance. I legitimately don't know. And you, you guys know, I would tell you if I thought it was or wasn't in this case, I'm actually not sure where I sit on that. So curious what you guys out there in the chat think. Josh, any comments from you on that before we get on to the two Gump Worsley rookies? Yeah, the, the part that's tripping me up here is the stain. I, I yeah. don't have any... I just don't know enough about grading. I've never been a grader, never wanted to learn enough about grading to understand like how that should impact the grade. To me, that's a significant flaw in a card. It's very noticeable and apparent. And the way that I kind of look at it is when there's a flaw that distracts you from appreciating the card itself, that, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, I would love to understand like how that, stain was factored in not only to just the grade but to the eye appeal rating as well i would too that's exactly what i'm what i'm saying too right on okay we have two gump worsley so first off we have a psa5 also has the above average eye appeal rating and then we have my gump worsley everybody this is a psa8 and um yeah this is this falls in the same category for me as as the conacher above although this is such a cool card look at the Okay, first of all, let's open up the PSA 5 and look at this one first. Because that got the eye appeal rating. My 8 didn't. So this one for a 5. And right away, I love I love this card for a 5. Now, the centering is off, especially top to bottom. A little bit shifted to the left as well. And then I'm also noticing that the border has some, some toning to it. As you guys know from listening to me talk about vintage cards... I like toning on my borders. I don't want a, a, I do not want a crisp white border on my 53 Parkhursts. Don't want that. Not welcome in my PC. I would rather have a card that looks like this. For a five, the corners and the edges do look really good, but let's just take a better look at this top right corner here. Yeah, it's not that bad. You know, you can see a bit of the stock underneath. Very mild rounding. Same with the top left with some fray. The edges look really nice. Bottom corners, what you'd expect. I think that this one with the above average eye appeal for a five, I'm not I'm not against it. I think, um, you know, if this was a four, I'd certainly be for it. As a five, I'm kind of neutral on this. I could, for me, it's kind of a flip of a coin 
whether or not I would give it an above average eye appeal rating, but it is a beautiful copy. And this is a copy that would be welcome into my collection. Now, I'm not a complete centering snob, and I don't say that with any derogatory intention or or underlying meaning when I say snob. I just, I just mean centering is not the end-all be-all for me, although I do love a card with great centering. This is a nice copy. And then my copy here that, well, no longer mine as of tonight, this is a PSA 8. And yeah, I mean, I like it because the, the edges are not like sharp white. They are slightly toned. The corners and the, yeah, sorry, the borders I meant, not the edges. The corners and the edges, however, are nice and sharp on this card. Centering is like, it's, it's not perfect, but it's probably, you know, like 52 and a half, 47 and a half in both vertically and horizontally. And um, I've enjoyed this card and uh, I'm going to miss it. I love the image, but Gump Worsley for me is just didn't make the cut. And, you know, as I'm making adjustments in my collection and I always encourage everybody, you know, you, we are, we are free and allowed to curate our collection as we want and to allow it to be fluid and to change it up. And I, I encourage that. I think it keeps us on our toes and um, it allows us to also adjust to our own changing desires, goals, um, and, and you know what attracts us to the hobby. What are we buying? So anyway, this is mine. Hoping it really get ends up in a, in a great home. And if you're someone who buys any of my cards tonight, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Um, Josh, before you jump in, I just want to bring up Daniel's comment. I think it's so cool how these 53s have a copy of their autograph ahead of their time. Yeah, the 52, and Daniel, as you probably know, 52 Tops Baseball had facsimile autographs as well. And I don't remember if 52s did as well. 52 Parkhurst Hockey did as well. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I don't think, no. No, maybe. I'm not sure. I can't picture it right now. Did they? Someone let us know. Josh, your thoughts on these three, 53 Parkhurst cards. Well, all iconic cards and really an iconic set. Uh, I've always felt like, probably said this before, it's kind of like a Norman Rockwell feeling to the, I think I grew up, my grandma had like Norman Rockwell po like calendars or something like that. And hmm. I just remember always seeing those paintings always around. Um, a question I have for you on your Gump Worsley is, is that a card? Did you have that for a long time? Um, I... Good question. I've had this card. I'm going to, I don't remember exactly, Josh, but I'm going to guesstimate that I've had this card for about six, seven years in there somewhere. So did you buy it graded or did you yeah. have it graded? Okay. I bought it at, as is, and I probably bought it from PWCC. If I, sure. Yeah, I probably did. I, I can sort of check and, and figure that out, I, but I probably did. And as per Richie Rocket and Daniel and myself, because I brought up my Gordy Howe, the 52s do have facsimile autographs on them as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it is pretty cool. I agree with, uh, with Daniel in the chat. Um, so yeah, Josh, uh, I think that's about how long that I've had okay. this one for. All right. Well, again, I hope it goes to great home and um, let me know if you buy it. All right, next row, we have a 54 Tops Terry Sawchuk. This is the first year Tops ever made cards. Also, facsimile autographs. This is a PSA 5, 
And let's just open this one up because I just noticed some, what I believe is some counterclockwise tilt on it. And I say that just because of the bottom border, like this white line seems to be in on the incline upwards here, sloping upwards. Josh, you kind of see that on, on our yeah. view. And then you look at the bottom, the card does seem to be flat in the holder. So I think there's some slight counterclockwise tilt, but that's, that's very common. So decide if that's okay by you for your collection. But otherwise, this card is really nice. I mean, that image is popping. Look at those colors, Josh. That red is just popping off the card. What do you think? I think this is a very interesting card. And it has to be like a snowflake as far as the pose that Sajak is in. I can't imagine there's another hockey card with a goalie who is in that same position as he is. Very unique <laughs> in that regard. Definitely, definitely. Uh, staying on the theme of goaltenders, we have a 57 tops Glenn Hall. Now, this is low grade. This is a PSA 1 with a MK uh, qualifier. MK means mark, which means that there are some sort of pen or, or pencil marks on it. I'm guessing that is these three things right here. Although if you drill into this lot, you might see additional markings on the back. We've got a very solid crease running right through it right here from end to end as if this card was bent in half at some point. Lots of creasing going on down here in the bottom left quadrant. You can see a bit of surface wear to the top, including this, this little, I don't know if it's a fisheye or if this is just, I think it's actually just surface wear to his hairline. So that's a, that's a critical area of the card, but this is graded as as conservatively as it can be as a as a poor one with a marking also on it so this is the kind of card to me this is a filler card for somebody who uh, who either you know listen either you are collecting a super low grade set and you just want the card or you want to fill in that that slot in your binder as you're working on the 57 top set and like a placeholder until you find something nicer so Pretty low grade on this one, but you know, it's gonna, hey, it's gonna make somebody happy. And then finally, we have uh, another one of my cards. This is a 58 top, and this one is a double, Josh, by the way. Yeah. This is a 58 tops Bobby Hull card number 66, last card in the set. It's a PSA four and a half. I bought this, I and I bought this in a collection from a, a vintage collector uh, several years ago now. This is, I think, one of the last cards I still have from that collection. And um, I do have a, a nicer copy myself. Or like if I had a lower grade, I shouldn't say lower grade. If I had a copy, uh, the grade isn't as important to me. But if I had a copy of this card that I didn't like as much as this one, I would have kept this one. I, I, I would have either upgraded by the by the technical grade or I would have upgraded by downgrading the technical grade, whichever I felt was, was uh, the upgrade. But in any event, this one, I, I acquired this with the sole intention uh, to move it when I did acquire that collection, you know, and to turn it into other cards in my collection. And in any event, this one is up for auction, as you can see. And it's a very nice four and a half. I'll just pop it open and give you all a bit of a better look at it. The, the real detractors of this card, there's two things. First of all, the centering. You can see it's off center left to right. Now, this is an extremely difficult card to find centered. So this centering is actually pretty good. But look for yourself. Make sure you agree with that comment. And then finally, there's this print defect right here where the the yellow ink somehow kind of dripped down into the red sweater. I've seen it on other copies, but not all of them. So that's really important. You will see this on other copies of the card, 
but it certainly isn't on all of them. So you can avoid it altogether if you want to. So, but there you have it. One of my cards. And again, I, this is one where, yeah, I hope it ends up in a good home, but it wasn't a PC card. So I'm less concerned. I'm more concerned on the Gump Worsley and the Conacher myself, but I hope it does make somebody very happy. Josh comments on Glenn Hall, Bobby Hall. Yeah, I think the Glenn Hall is, like you said, like either a placeholder card or maybe some nostalgic thing that you, like your grandfather had one that was bent in half and you kind of wanted one too. And a cool card uh, in any form to own a copy of. And then, yeah, I mean, the Bobby Hall is, listen, it's a great player, of course, legendary player. But I would think that, and you tell me if you agree or disagree here, that, you know, if you have hobbyists, kind of make their top 10 most iconic cards that 80% of the list is going to have this card on it. I mean, it's just one of the more iconic cards and all the hobby, I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe not all like, you know, I don't know that it would make the top 10 list if you're including baseball, basketball, and football. No, I, I meant just hockey. Then a hundred percent. And it, and then it, it reminds me of the, of the days back in the, you know, the eighties, the early nineties, when we were all reading our Beckett magazines every month. And the two most expensive cards in the Beckett magazine were the Gordie Howe rookie, the well, three, the Gordie Howe, the Bobby Orr, and the Bobby Hall. And I believe for the longest time, all three of them, their book value was three thousand dollars. And that those were those were the big three cards. So yeah. growing, if you grew up collecting cards, now listen, Bobby Hall is is not he's not Bobby Orr or Gordie Howe. Instead, in terms of you know his overall impact on the sport and you know where he falls in, in in hockey's greatness but the one thing that this card does have is its scarcity and good condition because it was the last card in the set number 66 which is more prone to damage as we all know so that's one thing i think that would maybe count against it but it's you know still a great card bobby hall you know kind of was the guy who invented if not perfected the slap shot and yeah. um he was a big strong player and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not selling my personal copy. That's one that'll be with me for a long time. Daniel A says your Bobby Hall is a very strong 4.5. Thank you, Daniel, for that. And then uh, Richie did say 52 Parkers did have facsimile signatures, but name says the George Armstrong curiously, curiously did not have one. And uh, yeah, I wonder if that's the case for any other players. Interesting. That'd be uh, something interesting to look into. Okay. So two grand on the Bobby Hall, $49 on the Glenn Hall, and 180 currently on the Topps Terry Sawchuck from 1954. Here's the SGC7 Bobby Hall. So let's look at this one because this one is a superior card to, to my four and a half. Centering is nicer. It doesn't have that, that green like surface defect right over here. Um, this card is just very, very nice. It's... Um, Really a good-looking card. A little bit of surface wear. I'm noticing in the red sweater, you're seeing a little bit of snow effect here. But it's like, you know, I've, I've seen worse. That's for sure. This is a really, really nice card, you guys. A really nice card. Sitting at $8,750 right now. It also has the exceptional eye appeal rating in the top 15%. And after looking at it, I have no issue with that. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave this the superior, to be honest. This card is absolutely beautiful. Uh, to my eye and from what from what I've seen. Uh, Josh, why don't you just jump in on, on this one? Yeah, this is another one of the cards that we featured on our show, so I know a little bit about it. So when you look at SGC copies, who are more known for vintage uh, sports and cards than, than modern, 
there's only six graded higher. So there's two SGC 7.5s and four SGC 8s. And it is a pretty valuable card. So the all-time high on this card is, and I think it was January of 2022 in the PWCC premiere, and SGC 7 sold for 28800 Wow. U.S. Wow. more in the COVID kind of era, I guess, of pricing there. Last sale was 13800 in August of 2022. Wow. Yeah. Holy. Well, so some room. To, and, and this one has the exceptional eye appeal rating, which I think it deserves. And so I wonder if those other two had it or not. And um, especially the one, uh, the first one that you mentioned that sold for, I think you said 20 something thousand dollars. Yeah, twenty eight eight. Uh, 288 and here we are at 8800 on this one so you're getting right now you know aside from the buyer's premium you're getting a $20,000 discount okay 184 or so something yeah. like that very nice card we have another SGC graded card this is a 1960 Parker's Gordie Howe SGC5 and I just you know I love highlighting the Gordie Howe cards from whatever year because so many people work on the on the Gordie Howe run and this is an affordable five. It looks nice. It, it seems to have something going on on the surface there, just to the left of his body, uh, right in this area. I'm not sure if that if those are Newton rings. I don't think they are, or if that is some sort of stain on the card. But outside of that, this card is just beautiful in terms of the condition. The blue is popping. The red is popping. That's a pretty nice card right there. And we have the Jerry Cheevers. PSA 1, 1965 tops. I do think this is a nicer one than the Glenn Hall that we saw before, which also had the, the marking. But this card has been, this card has been through the, the it, it's, it's been through the grinds here. Like you, you can, you can see it's got lots of surface issues. It's got all sorts of little cracks in the surface right up in the corners. Nice rounding of the corners though. For again, when I say nice rounding, I really am talking about symmetrical, even rounding because I want it to be the same. You know, that's kind of where what I what I like to see. But if this card is pretty rough, the surface certainly has been rubbed up against uh, other cards along the way. You're seeing some chipping on the edges. You're seeing a a big fold right here, lift and fold over right there. Some action going on here. And uh, of course, the bottom right corner is consistent with the other corner. So, but it is graded out as a one. I think, of course, that is appropriate. And um, for 36 bucks, you can land yourself a graded Jerry Cheever's card. Josh, any comments on these last two cards here? I just love the contrast on the Gordie Howe between the background and Gordie. And this is, there's a, there's a few cards, I think, where the opaque black kind of a, in filler of the SGC slab really makes the card pop. And I think this is an example where it actually enhances the card a little bit. Some cards I think might take away a little bit in certain cases too. And then on the Jerry Cheevers, what I really like about this card, Jeremy, is yeah, there are some significant issues and imperfections with this card, but they're in areas of the card that don't take away from really enjoying the image of Jerry or the kind of the key elements of the card. And so uh, as far as ones go, where again, comparing it to the Glenn Hall, that was literally bent in half. I would much prefer the, the Jerry Cheevers over, over that. And, you know, to me, this is a, 
a, a really nice one actually because you can still has pretty good visual appeal. Thirty six dollars gets you uh, this PSA one Jerry Cheevers. It seems to get the the Josh Madigan seal of approval, which I'm not going to argue with. So there you have it on those three. All right, continuing on, we have a Rogi Vachon Hall of Famer goaltender. Rogi Vachon of the Montreal Canadiens back there, but spent most of his career with the LA Kings. And this card, let's open this one up because, again, these are ones, you guys. These are opportunities to get into some cheap Hall of Fame cards and uh, crack right through the surface right over here. I'm tracing it with my mouse right over here. Corners are, I mean, this corner up here, has it's been worn away. Like, you can just tell this has been worn away not exactly sure why or how, but it has been. Top right corner certainly has some issues right there. Surface, same sort of thing we saw in the Cheevers. A little bit harder to see, but I can see them. They are there. Right here, you've got some surface damage that almost scraped away a bit of the black in, in his name here and this black border coming through. Bottom corners worn away evenly, which I want them to be even if they're worn away. And uh, overall, a similar card Similar card to the Cheevers that we just saw. Do you, right, Josh? Like it looks kind of close, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. the The core areas of the card are not affected by the obvious significant damage. So again, as far as PSA ones go, and then in this particular set, I I love the dichotomy of sort of the very crudely sketched background with the with the photo of the player on top. I just think that that's kind of a really cool effect that they had in the 1967 set. Yeah, the set where you will also find the Bobby Orr second year card, one of my favorites. We've got a 1969 Opichi Tony Esposito rookie in a PSA 4 and a Topps Ken Dryden in a PSA 8 with the exceptional eye appeal rating that our friend Daniel A loves this card, loves this card, and it is nice. So let's just open these two up and take a couple of quick looks at these ones. And we'll close down the Cheevers and the Vachon. So the Esposito for a four. I mean, this uh, uh, this looks really good to me, actually. Does this have an eye appeal rating? It doesn't. It doesn't. And I want, I, I asked the question because it, it looks really nice for a four. But we're also not looking at the backs, admittedly. And there's all there could be some surface issues that we can't see. But that's a nice card. And Tony Esposito is a Hall of Fame goaltender. And here's another Hall of Fame goaltender. This is a PSA 8 Tops Ken Dryden rookie. And I'm looking at this and I can't see why it isn't graded higher. Does it have an eye appeal rating? It does. Exceptional. So that's good. I completely agree with this. And I'd need a closer look at it to like I could maybe it would be a superior. I don't know. But this card, and again, the first place I look is centering is the, the side borders right at the edge of the blue oval. And this thing seems to be perfectly centered. Top to bottom, it is a little bit high, but it's not bad. It certainly doesn't jump out at you that it's off-center top to bottom, even though it slightly is. So I think I'm going to settle in that I really agree with the exceptional eye appeal rating here by PWCC. Josh, uh, what were your thoughts on the, the Esposito and the Dryden? I wonder how old Tony is in this picture. He doesn't look like a rookie to me. It looks like he's in like his mid-30s, doesn't he? I mean, he does. He does. Well, let's let's find out. Let's answer the question for you and have a quick look at the uh, at the the back of the card. And let's see. So this is from 1969, and he was born 
age 26. There it is right there. I was looking for a date. Age 26. So 26 wow. when his rookie card came out. Yeah. Yeah. There and you he could it. pass for like a dad, like mid thirties kind of guy. That, that's yeah. kind of fun, but it would get really beautiful for beautiful. nonetheless. And then I agree with the, with the Dryden and, you know, the first thing anyone's going to look at in the 1971 set is of course the centering. But I feel that what really stood out to me about this card is how crisp and in focus the image of Dryden is where a lot of times this one in particular can feel a little fuzzy to me, especially if the registration might be off a touch. Uh, this is an, an awesome card. Awesome card. Agree. Has this, this card comes with both the, well, it comes with the Josh Madigan, the Jeremy Lee and the Daniel a seal of approval. All right, guys, we have some Gretzky's now. We have a PSA 8 exceptional eye appeal rating Opeachy card, which I've got some bad news on, in my opinion. <laughs> We've got a Topps uh, Authentic, and we have then we have a Topps Mario Lemieux PSA 8. So let's jump in to the PSA 8 Gretzky, and I'll show you my concerns with this card. Uh, I'm not going to argue with the technical grade of an 8, but I'm going to highlight to you guys, as I always do, what I what I like and what I don't like about this card. So let's dive into this copy right here. And we're going to start with the corners, top left corner. And actually, let's start with the edges. Let's start with the edges this time because that'll take us into the corners. Look at this left edge. It has the rough opichi. It's consistent from top to bottom. It's got some bigger roughness or you know more pronounced roughness in some places than others. Like there's a pretty pronounced area right there while right here it's pretty clean. You come up, you know, a couple more pronounced areas, but overall, that's what that that's the Ropichi rough cut. The bottom edge doesn't have nearly the roughness that the left edge does, which is normally the case. The right edge, same thing, way less than the left edge, and the top is kind of right where you want it to be. That's almost my perfect rough cut Opeachy edge. Corner wise, when we look at this top corner here, it's it's really hard to figure out where the corner is. Like, is it up over here at the edge of the white fray, or is it in the inside where the blue ends? I'm not sure. That throws me off on this copy. The top right, something the corner just isn't a sharp 90 degree angle. So that is of of a bit of a concern to me. The lower right corner is the sharpest one we've seen so far, and the lower left is not. So we've now covered edges and corners, centering easiest to, to assess. The centering on this card is easily amazing and is obviously why it got the PWCC I appeal rating of, and which does this have? This has exceptional, so top 15%. Now, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think that made that best you could give this the top 30% because of the image itself. The image is blurry and we can see why it's blurry Let's start at the top with the words Edmonton and Oilers. And you can see that the magenta plate, the Oilers, is on a higher plane than the Edmonton word is. It's, shi it's shifted up higher. So to me right there, red flag on registration. Look at this top border here. See how it's white in here, everybody? You see my mouse moving? See how it's white in there and it's white in here, yet it's red in here halfway up. It's the same thing. The magenta plate was placed higher on the cardboard than it was meant to be. So you're seeing the effect up here. Also a blurry face. I can't make out his eyes. So that's a problem right there. The Oilers logo is off color. 
The nines on the jersey are just wrong. This this blue here, I don't think that's on all the copies. Same with this over here. If it is, forgive me. Coming down, the, the blurriness of the legs. You see this blue coming off the side. That's a registration issue. This should be nice and focused. And then the biggest telltale sign, I saw someone mention it in the, Daniel mentions it right here. Oil drop is off. Look at the oil drop. It's sticking out of the pocket. It's way off. It's way high. The magenta plate is way high. The yellow plate is, is low and to the right. And we see that up here on the word Edmonton as well, or sorry, the word Oilers. We see the yellow plate coming down and to the right. See the yellow shadow everywhere? So these are my issues with this card. A little bit of white coming through between the blue and the black over here and all along the bottom here. Now, I think that registration is often something that's easily overlooked. And I also think uh, both by an eye appeal rater and the grading company. To me, registration, like to me, this card is a seven. You know, it's a seven, maybe a 7.5. So uh, maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's an, actually, no, let me say that again. I'm going to say to me, this card is an eight because of the centering, the good color, the, the blue is beautiful, but to me, it's not a strong eight. It's just not, unless all you care about is centering and you don't care about registration, then sure, this might be a strong eight, but I care about registration. So to me and whoever has the same thoughts about things as I do, this is a weak eight. I don't care that the centering is perfect. I want my Gretzky image to be in focus and this one simply is not. So it's an eight. And listen, I also think that the price it's at at 10.5 i think i think the i think the bidders agree with me right now because if this was truly a strong 8 this should be what about 13 14000 so those are my thoughts on on this particular uh PSA 8 Gretzky um it wouldn't make the cut getting into my personal collection i would rather have an infocus 4 honestly i would but that's just me uh because focus registration trumps everything else to me Pair it with great centering, and you've got you've got a masterpiece. Josh, um, am I am I out of line here at all? What, what what were your thoughts? No, you're not out of line at all. And we had a long conversation about this card, and it kind of you know now that I've been hanging out with you for thirty some shows, and you did the Gretzky Masterclass, Gretzky Rookie Masterclass on our show. And I think this example proves that I'll kind of jokingly say, but I kind of believe it too, that the Gretzky Rookie is almost like a hobby in of itself. I mean, this is like the one card that I, I don't know. Maybe there's a comparison in basketball or baseball or something like that of a card that has this level of detail and intricacy. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny. The comparison that I made is when you look at the picture of Wayne, uh, this is dating us, but remember when we'd go to those 3D movies where you'd have to wear the glasses with the blue on one mm -hmm. lens and the red on the other. And then at some point you take the glasses off to see what the screen looks like. And that's what Wayne Gretzky looks like in this card. It's a train wreck uh, in my estimation. And I really wish Jeremy that, that we could find a way or that we could get the grading companies to come together. And I guess the way to do it would be consider on vintage hockey, at least that's what I care about to really consider registration as part of the surface grade. Mm. It should be. It should be part of the surface grade. I, I agree. Or there needs to be, and maybe the grading companies do assess it, but they don't outwardly talk about it the way Beckett puts subgrades on. 
but it to me registration is is i appeal for me so um those are our thoughts on that one proceed accordingly uh if you are if you are looking to add this to your collection and listen if you still like the card if centering is the most important thing to you i mean the card has decent corners and edges assuming that the court my my the issues i mentioned with the corners are not issues because i can only see what i can see on my screen here then this might be the this might be the perfect card for you and i'm not gonna hold that against you of course if you're not uh if you if you if registration is the last the, the least important uh element of a card then go for it okay let's go along tops uh a tops copy graded authentic I don't know why it's graded authentic. I, i.e., is it trimmed or is there something else wrong with it? Um, I, I'm noticing the street coming down, but this is on the case, not the card, as we can see. So don't worry about this area right here. It does look like it. It does to me show signs. I, I seem to feel like it shows signs of being trimmed, um, and I don't know. I'm, I can't verify that, but it is what it is. I don't really have much more to say about this copy. It's an authentic tops uh, 79 Gretzky rookie. And then we've got the Lemieux PSA 8 tops sitting right now at $300. And this card looks to be very nice. Uh, you know, well-centered, not perfect, not perfect, but pretty well-centered. Maybe it's some slight clockwise tilt to it. And I can't tell if it, if his face is blurry here or if that's just the, the, the image that was taken. Looks like it's a decent card, but I really don't have much more to say about it other, other than to highlight. We have what I would consider a decent PSA 8 tops Mario Lemieux rookie. Josh, any comments on the authentic Gretzky or the Lemieux? I put the, the authentic Gretzky in the category of, hey, somebody maybe doesn't have a huge bankroll to get into a high-grade Gretzky, but it's always wanted to have a copy of the Wayne Gretzky rookie card, which is probably every hockey card collector. It'd be weird if you didn't want one. And so this is just kind of a great opportunity to get in with a pretty small investment. And then, yeah, the very nice looking Mario Lemieux. I'm sure it is an eight, but you kind of have to, it's not a, it's one of those cards that I'm not going to argue the grade, but at first glance, it's, it's tough to figure out where the defects are. And I think that's a good sign when you're looking at a card that maybe it's the bottom ed edge there has a little bit of, kind of wear right. on it some something like that but but it's just it's just not instantly apparent and that's i think the mark of a card with great appeal yeah and it's got it's got some like touches of wear like little touches on the corner i can see a little touch mm -hmm. of right there so yeah i mean if this card just had a few of those things that like this guy right here perhaps this bottom corner looks really good top corner you know if it, it, it's got it's got a slight imperfection as does the top right if those weren't imperfections this could have been a nine um i, I would think so okay let's continue along uh to, to end off our first page we've got a tops patrick wall rookie psa nine just wanted to highlight it i love the patrick wall rookie this is a tops copy 310 dollars for the nine we've got a score american psa 10 martin brodeur rookie card Right here, 50 bucks. The The word score is in blue. That's the only difference on the front of the card from the Canadian version where the word score is in red. However, on the back, on the red version, the Canadian version, you're going to have the English, the, sorry, the French language as well as the English language. And then finally, we have this card here, which I got a kick. I was telling Josh earlier today, I kind of got a laugh out of this card. I've never seen a card in a grading card in a grading company slab where the back of the card 
is facing front. Now, in this case, it makes sense to me simply because the front of the card is blank. Here's the front of the card. It's blank, but they still put it on the back of the holder, which I, while I understand it, I don't know if I agree with that. This is the, this is the front of the card. This is the back of the card. So which way should it be in the holder? I, I would, if, 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 you know, if it was my grading company, I would have flipped, I would have flipped this thing around and put it in the other way. Uh, but that's just me. This, I do understand this does make some sense, but it just feels unnatural to me to put the back of the card facing the front, even though the front of the card is completely missing uh, its image. Talk about a print defect. This one didn't get any print at all. So I just thought this was a funny card and it's sitting at $9 and accordingly so. I, you know, unless you just like oddball cards to have a discussion about, um, I, you know, this is just a funny card. Josh, any comments on these three? Yeah, it's is this like the goalie auction or what? It, this is yeah. about the 30th goalie card that we've been through, but they're all pretty great. And so, yeah, it's not much to say. Just a nice Patrick Waugh, PSA 9 copy. The Marty Brodeur is, will always be tragically underappreciated uh, and, hmm. and very cheap because of the era that it came from. And then I totally agree with you on the blank front card where, I mean, that's what makes this card really of of any interest and so it should be flipped around in the holder and, and i might actually you know if i wanted to have this card like as a conversation piece i, I might send it back to csg and have them flip it right <laughs> there you go there you go okay and which would cost you more than the nine dollars yeah. you'll have to pay for it possibly nine uh tonight okay it's a conversation card like it's one you buy because when your collecting buddies are around you want to and they're showing their valuable piece of their collection. You say, well, I can, I've got some better than that. And just put that on the table and everyone will get a kick out of it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, let's move on now to page two. We've got an Ed Belfort PSA 10 upper deck rookie. Simple, simple as that. $33. I love this card. It's out of 10,000, which does deter me from it it shouldn't because it's still a really cool looking card it's an early insert 94 it's called inserts which i love back before insert was such a generic term these guys named it inserts and it's a psa 9 it's a nice card numbered out of ten thousand. and then we have uh this is my card here gretzky ultra power psa 10 these this kind of i'll, I'll just kind of say it this card kind of looks ugly right here in this image but it's, it's a very hard card to photograph. All of this dark border is actually green sparkle to the point where if you touch it, it can almost come off on your finger. It's like like, like, like glitter in a way. This is actually a very nice looking card. But as I, as I explained last Saturday, it's one that just did not make the cut for me. And I've since done a, I actually took a video of my Gretzky collection so I can share it. And I will sometime probably on Instagram. But uh, but this is a it's a cool card and it's one that I will I will miss a little bit. It's a population eight, only eight of this card in a PSA ten holder. I think that makes it pretty special. Uh, oh look at that! The Elite Series did sell for fifty seven dollars. So Josh, anything you'd like to say about these three cards? Yeah, the your card actually had stood out to me. Uh, I I'd never seen this before. It's uh, I feel like the nineties is the mid mid to late nineties, I should say is like a, a treasure trove of undiscovered 
you know, for a lot of us in the hobby of just really kind of amazing cards. And uh, now I'm even more intrigued to see this one in in person someday, given your comments that it's one of those that just doesn't photograph real well. Yeah, it really, it it really, it really doesn't. Um, I just go to a couple comments really quick here. Daniel says, Jeremy analyzing a Gretzky rookie is one of my favorite things. Not going to lie. Appreciate that. Jake says I could write a book on the Gretzky rookie. So much creative. Thank you guys. I appreciate that as well. Daniel says the French Belfort is more rare. I believe, I believe that to be the case. Well, and the professor is bidding on my Gretzky ultra power. Uh, awesome to hear professor. Good luck to you. I hope, uh, be great to know that went into your collection. I've, I have enjoyed the card. Okay. Continuing on this row includes another one of my Gretzky's. I think professor, you bought a copy, the same card. This is a different copy but the same card last week. And when I said I have the same card, I kind of didn't remember that I was selling it, but here it is. It's up for auction this week. So this is my PSA 8 uh, SPX Finite Spectrum card. This is numbered out of 300 on the back. It's a cool card. It's got the, it's got this like set in really cool SPX logo. I'll just blow it up really momentarily here. You can see the the foil logo right in there on a on, on a hockey rink. The the face-off circles are there. SPX hockey finite 98. It's a cool looking card, but one that I'm just not totally in love with. So we'll let that go. Hopefully it finds a good home. Uh this Gretzky autograph, the 04 legendary signatures in a PSA 10 sold for $930. Pop six. Great card. Look at that beautiful autograph. Congratulations to the new owner. And we have a Sidney Crosby 08 limited logos. BGS 8, the autograph has a 10, numbered out of 50. Very nice card right here. Two-color patch, you know, not the craziest patch, but that's not the worst thing either, that it's not the craziest patch. So, uh, Josh, over to you on these three. Yeah, we talked about the uh, Crosby Limited logos quite a bit, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised that the bidding isn't higher on this card. It's not a rookie or anything, but when you look into the sales history of these, and we've gotten to know, and I'm sure you know many guys too, limited logos collectors are very fervent in their collecting, and they get a hold of these cards and never let them go. I think the the last time one of these specific from 2008 went up for sale was three years ago or something mm-hmm. like that. And so if you've wanted an earlier Crosby or your Crosby collector, you a fan of limited logos. You're right. It's not the sexiest patch ever, but it's still it's a nice auto. It's a decently graded card. It's a 10 grade on the auto. It might be three, four years before another one of these comes back up for sale. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the sub centering is what brings the grade down to a seven and a half, but I don't even notice that it's off-centered. Like I I can't tell where the off-centeredness is. Um, so that's Almost yeah. laughable, almost laughable. Like if this was a nine, this card would have graded, you know, an, an eight five probably. So I consider this to be better than what it. I don't, I don't see the off. Am I missing this? Like where is it off center? Um, it's so hard to tell on cards like yeah. this that don't have. And one of the things that I like about this card in particular is it's got a, it does have a lot going on, and there are different iterations of limited logos that maybe are cleaner maybe more of a minimalist feel, but at least, but I like the fact that given that there is a lot of design elements to this card that they made that 
kind of window for the, for his autograph on the card. So his autograph is very clear. Mm-hmm. It stands out. It, it doesn't fade, like kind of bleed into the design of the card. It's got, I its don't own, know. I mean, it's got its own section. Yeah. It's got its own section. It just surprises me that given, you know, that we see some of the prices for a lot of cards in the hobby that this one's, you know, that that's sold for less than a thousand dollars. That's crazy. Yeah. nine ninety right there. All right, continuing on. So we've got, okay, so this was my card. This card is not out of 100. This card is out of 10. And uh, somebody stole this. So congratulations. I uh, I thought that a, a, an Iserman PMG Green would sell for quite a bit more. I'm disappointed with this sale, actually. Um, and uh, I, I legitimately thought that this was going to sell for more. Because this is a, this is a what we would consider to be a PMG Green, Steve Iserman, out of 10. And it only sells for $288. And I don't know. I missed it when 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 I had the chance to edit. I missed that PWCC uh, put the out of 100, which is what it says on the back of the card. But it's like the 96, 97 uh, PMGs from, from basketball where, you know, we know they're out of the greens are yeah. out of 10 and the reds are out of 90. And they, you know, when an auction company sells those greens, they say out of 10. They don't say out of 100. So... I kind of feel like I, I lost some some value on this card, but them's the breaks. Uh, we've got a Pavel Bure. And the reason why I brought up the Bure uh, gold script out of 100 is because MVP has some cards that fly. These gold scripts, the silver scripts, they can be really nice and fly under the radar. And I think they're beautiful cards for a player collector. But this sold for cheaper than the price of grading at $13. And then we have an Alex Ovechkin. Jambalaya from 2009. This is the second year hockey ever had Jambalayas. We had 08s and then 09s. I do like this design. It's a PSA 10 sitting at $1,275. Josh, before you jump in on and make some comments on these three cards, Daniel, I, I, I realized the second time he's asked, my PC Bobby Hall rookie is a PSA 6 copy, Daniel. That's what it is. Uh, Josh, any comments on these three? Yeah, well, I'll start with your card. It's it's really unfortunate, obviously, that that happened, and too bad you can't change it. It's just a, it's stuff we all, you know, we try to move fast in the hobby and, uh, what measure twice, cut once is sort of the, the you know the and I've definitely learned those lessons too. And yeah, you know, somebody, you know, I like to think of karma, Jeremy. So you know, you gave some good karma here, and somebody got a steal on a card, and maybe you'll get some fortune coming back your way in in return the- and before you go on i'm just that's how i'm looking at it too like yeah yeah I, i've got disappointment because i thought it was a 1500 card that's but maybe i'm out to lunch on that you know i've never haven't seen it i thought it could sell for that much but that it didn't i'm not beating anybody up about it i actually am happy for the buyer and congratulations and like you said maybe maybe i you know, i've had steals before too so it, it happens and um we're going to move on. Sorry, please continue. One thing that I think that kind of hurts this car, this card in the set in particular, not the Iserman specifically, is the fact that it that it it's not overtly say PMG. Now, when you educate yourself and and you get to you know have good knowledge of the hobby and knowledge of the mid two thousands cards, you understand that yeah, it is kind of considered in the PMG family. But I remember myself you know, a number of months ago, kind of when I really started to look into these, well, is this a PMG? Is it not a PMG? And the fact that, like I said, I think that along from the sort of the error in the listing title, that it's not a, 
I wish it was more overt in that it, that it listed it as a PMG. The Ovechkin is one of my, I'm a big Jambalaya fan, but this is one of my favorites in the set. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is the the second year Jambalaya. Um, these are cards that I say this a million times, but that probably the toughest card to get with a photo. They just, it does not translate. You have to see a Jambalaya in person to get it. And one of the things I really like about the 2009s is that I, I just like the, the background color kind of theme is that it's got, you know, you think like Jambalaya, you think kind of, kind of like New Orleans, something like that. And the purple and green kind of really fits that vibe to me. And so this is a card in particular that uh, I would love to own someday. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, okay. Let's keep on going here. So this Connor McDavid premier collection RPA has sold for $4,080 BGS eight corners were a 7.5. And let's just have a quick look at that to see if we see what that's all about. They kind of do have rounded corners as it is. Yeah. So I, I can't tell, but you need to look at the corner. You need to look, look at the corner really in 360 to tell for sure. But that one is sold. Johnny Gaudreau, this was my card. This was his Rubies rookie. PSA 10, Pop 1, sold for $108, cheaper than the Young Guns and way better. These cards, all three of these Rubies were mine. Let's see what these two down here sold for. So my Aho did $192 for the PSA 10. And then a PSA 9, Barzal, sold for $31. So, uh, you know, in hindsight, I would have just kept it for $31. Bucks. But at the same time, I don't want cards in my collection that are not core at the, at the moment. So happy to let it go. And I hope someone loves it. I love these rubies to me. They're the, they're kind of, they're my choice for rookie cards for, you know, a nice alternative to a young gun and so much, these are numbered to 50. So I, I think they're really cool, but uh, that was my good draw. And then we have this Austin Matthews here. That's that is at a thousand twenty five. This is the, the black diamond relic rookie four diamonds on it numbered out of 99 it's at a thousand dollars it's a true rookie card and um let's see what happens with it i i think um i could see it i could see it selling for a bit more because it is a true rookie of matthews out of 99 and those these cards are pretty popular we'll just knock off both these rows at one time here josh since we have so here's the mcdavid the the rookie diamonds card from oh this is not rookie sorry this is second year 2016 but this is out of five, so so over nine hundred dollars. Not bad for a second year card. Um, Josh, I'm I'm gonna just push it over to you on on these six if you'd like to make any comments. Four of which are sold already. Yeah, well, so the the rubies cards, I, I tend to agree with you. I think are very underrated, and when you uh, really kind of get a few years of experience in the hobby under your belt, and you sort of kind of start to ask, well, what is there beyond the young guns that, you know, you look at like OPG platinum, or I think this is another one that, you know, hopefully we'll continue to get more and more awareness in the hobby. Cause I'd love to see these cards get a little more shine mm. than, than they do. The, the McDavid is a, just another example of it. You know, it's not the, I mean, it, it kind of looks like, like you're, getting a swatch of his hunting cap a little bit there. You know, it's not the like the sexiest jersey patch, but it is a McDavid rookie jersey auto. And for $4,000, that is probably as cheap as you're going to get on on something like that. And so uh, totally get it from from that perspective. And then, you know, maybe I'll be the contrarian here, Jeremy, but and 
I don't love portraity style cards. I, I don't know if I personally kind of get the diamond relics, black diamond cards. It feels a little gimmicky to me, but but I know people love them and that there's a big that there's a big chase and they have a lot of value too. It just doesn't float my boat. Yeah, I understand. And that I completely respect that, right? Because we all have our opinions on what we like in the hobby, and that's what makes the hobby awesome. Um, I will I will provide a different outlook or a, a different word. You used you said gimmicky, and I don't disagree. It is gimmicky, but it's also, I think, a little innovative because the card companies, uh, good night, Daniel A. Uh, the card companies, we often say innovate. We want more innovation. There's no competition. Competition yeah. breeds innovation. This was an innovative move. It was creative, and it's when they first introduced it. Um, but I agree. It's gimmicky. It You know, diamonds and cards, what, what's that all about? How does that relate to hockey? It doesn't, but it relates to the the black diamond brand. And yeah, so, I get it from that context. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But I, I don't disagree with, with, what you're, with what you're saying. Here's another one of my cards that sold way too low in my opinion uh the 2018 upper deck ice sub-zero gold kucherov in a psa 10 pop one this card's out of eight i mean these cards are under the radar and i i hope almost that you know i've sold off my i kept some of my other players sold off the kucherov he's not a player i'm interested in collecting myself so i'm happy to let it go but people should look into Cards like rubies, and I'm saying, listen, I love these cards. I love the Sub-Zero Golds. I have several still in my collection. I love the rubies. And, you know, I think it's fair to say if I love something uh, that, uh, you know, maybe they're, I don't maybe I'm over the radar on them and they're, they're not under the radar. Maybe I'm in the minority that I like them, but I think these cards are flying under the radar. It's partially why I collect them. Also, I think they're really cool. But this one, I could have seen this card selling for four or $500 if more people were tuned in and maybe knew what it was, and maybe by this card selling for 50 bucks and us talking about it, perhaps that will raise interest in it moving forward. And I'm happy to kind of uh, take the punch tonight in the interest of other people doing well with these down the road or just more people tuning into them and wanting to collect them because they are pretty cool cards. Uh, this was my Connor McDavid Fanimation BGS 9.5, $900. I think I'm kind of okay with that price. Um, Thought it could have gone for a bit more, but I'm okay with it. I'm just over the Fanimations right now as a collector. And then finally, another Jambalaya. Josh likes these. This is the Metal Universe McDavid from 2020. It's at $1,675. Josh, I will now, I'll ask you actually to respond to some of my comments, you know, on the Sub-Zero Golds. Were you familiar with these cards? Uh, did you know that they had veteran cards out of eight? The rookies are out of 24. The Fanimations, I know you've talked about fan. I think you like Fanimations. And then, of course, you got the McDavid uh, Jambalaya, which just got a bid right now. So over to you, Josh. I was familiar with the Sub-Zero, but not enough to understand the parallels of it. And uh, listen, Kucherov is one of those guys that has little to no hobby relevancy. And it, if you looked at, if you just looked at a stat line without a name, that wouldn't make sense to you. It's part of that, I guess, that Bermuda Triangle in Florida that that we that we talked mm -hmm. about. But mm -hmm. very cool cards, and, and I still feel like Upper Deck Ice is, you know, there's the Ice Premieres cards that have kind of uh, given it, you know, that that's probably it's. Um, oh, what's the word that that's escaping me now? The the 
the kind of identity card in the set. And, you know, I thought ice was really good this year, but, but as far as like a prominent set in the hobby, it's got a little bit of work to do. And and maybe that's part of it is just a lack of general overall kind of recognition of what these cards is. And I think that that affects a lot of cards values is that and go back to the rubies or go back to the Iserman PMG is that if more people kind of understood you know what this card is and how rare it is and what why it's special that that there would be more more of a chase and that's just something that might take time uh, as far as the fan I'm, I'm generally not a big fan of animation i've actually argued with upper deck a little bit because they'll try to make the you know one of the things that troy and i have been very vocal about is sort of the need for a cross set uh I guess maybe like like similar to the Young Guns Acetate, but not a Young Guns card. A card that's a, that, that's a real big insert chase. And, you know, you'll draw the comparisons to like a Downtown or Kaboom or a Color Blast. And often, whether it's Upper Deck or, or other people too, will retort with the, the Fanimation, which I, I just don't think kind of is at the same design level. But what I will say, and I think that your old card here that's sold is one of the nicer Fanimations that I've that I've seen i mean it's a really um kind of cool image and um so yeah that's one of the nicer ones and then the, the jambalaya the I, i'm not as big a fan as the 2020s like i would if i got to choose i would i get the fact that probably the mcdavid will sell more for more than the ovechkin but what i don't love about 2020 is that there's just too many jambalayas they had epac equivalents and this is where uh, I think Upper Deck got a little off the rails as far as kind of muddy in the waters with some of these really key card brands. And so I'm, you know, listen, I would take it if you gave it to me, of course, and it's a cool card and it looks awesome. But but I think for the money that the 2009 Ovechkin, in my opinion, is the better buy. I I agree. I mean, I you know, the where you, where, where I really agree with you in your rationalization on the jambalaya is when there are the epac achievement parallel version to me jambalaya there should be one copy per year per player and 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 not every year so now when you're putting out a second version of the card it just completely ruins it for me um i shouldn't say completely i would never ever chase the EPAC exclusive version. I don't even care if it's rarer. I don't want that. I want the pack pulled copy. So this is the one I would I would want. But I'm also of the opinion that to my taste, there's like you said, there's too many. There's too many PMGs now. There's too many jambalayas now. And um I'm I'm done. I'm done collecting them. I'm done adding them to my I'm I'm I will not be adding PMGs or jambalayas that come out in the 2020s or forward anymore. I'm just, I'm done. I'm going to focus on the, the earlier versions of them, love them, but I don't, I'm not going to continue to chase them. I would rather that there were new, new insert themes coming out, even use the same jambalaya stock, but change something about it to make it different and give it a, a new, a new run. There were, there were some cards that came out in the 1990s that were jambalaya like, but were not jambalayas. And the cool thing about them, and I'm going to show you guys what they are in a moment, but the cool thing about those cards was that when people do talk about them, 
they will they will actually say like a jambalaya and it's true they are like a jambalaya but they are not jambalaya so here i'm going to show you what i'm talking about right here they were called the exe exceptionals and just to show you i'm going to just um, do this for a moment here's the peyton manning that i have like this is oh yeah right josh like it's got the same kind of yeah. card stock but it's not a jambalaya like they, mm -hmm. you know, it's die cut on one side, not the other. Like do something like that. Just give it like enough jambalayas, enough. Stop, please. Anyway. Well, I've kind of been working on a new philosophy. Like, you know, collecting shouldn't always be, of course, about like money and investing and cards going value. But I, but I think, though, that if most of us are honest, that even if we're trying to add cards or a collection that, that we enjoy, we, we, you know, these cards are a lot of the good ones are an investor or they cost a lot of money. And so you want that to buy cards that also have the opportunity to go up in value. And I, I sort of, my philosophy that I've been working on Jeremy is if you stick to rookies and first, that, that that's kind of a pretty good way to go. And so rookies is obvious, right? But it's first, if you want a McDavid Jambalaya, get the first one. Yeah. If you want an Ovechkin Jambalaya, get the first one. If you want a platinum portraits, get the first one. Right, that you're going to be just so much, but because of because we don't know how upper, you know, what upper deck is going to do, how they're going to treat some of these brands, if they will oversaturate them in the future. But if you have the first, but well, then you can just always say, well, this is the first copy of a jambalaya for this player or whatever other card. Completely agree. Completely agree. All right, let's go to some comments here, Louis said there is another limited logo crosby out of 50 listed elsewhere that is ungraded and other than the patch it's spot on the same centering as the pwcc copy yeah thanks louis I, I just don't know that that centering grade made sense at all but we need to see more samples to to know for sure but thanks for letting us know next level welcome to the show and thank you very much cards ah good evening to you we're about eight minutes behind on comments Cards AH says they did that with Metal X as well as Platinum Portraits, the same card in the same year for EPAC, different picture. Yeah, I will not be collecting the Platinum Portraits or the Metal X. As cool as I think they are, as soon as you throw out an EPAC parallel exclusive, like it's just it just ruins it. Well, for what me. they did with the Metallics was they it was a pretty tough chase, and because it was a it was a big subset within the metal release last year, but then they did the EPAC achievement. I think it was on like 499 and that just kind of create, that creates such a bad perception that these cards are no longer scarce at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then E the, sorry, the professor says the EPAC jambalayas are identified as such and seem to be lower value price though. Jambalaya and other sports, non-sports drives, appeal though i don't understand that second sentence there professor but the first one yes they are identified as as uh epac exclusives we know they're identified that way but yeah does uh, but you know thanks for the info but it doesn't change anything for me uh card says i actually invested in a platinum portrait for the collection not knowing i was buying a platinum portrait or that they even existed i don't get that do you know do you understand what that comment is saying josh i Sorry, oh, you card. fell into a good card. Yeah, <laughs> at, the, okay. at the very least, because they're pretty yeah. cool. And then the professor asks, does jambalaya equal kabooms as far as hobby appeal? 
I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, jambalayas predate kabooms and jambalayas. um, But I think that kaboom is considered, you know, by many to be kind of like the 2010s version of jambalaya, Panini's version, perhaps, of jambalaya. So I think I think, Professor, that that is not. Uh, a completely una- inaccurate analogy. I think it's more accurate than inaccurate, but it's gonna, it's very subjective. So I can only speak to what I what I think and what I've how I've heard other people describe it. Card says, "Sorry, I meant I bought an EPAC oh. platinum portrait." Oh, okay, not knowing you were buying it and that they even yeah. That's the other thing is that sometimes you might not even know know as a buyer. Unless you're informed, you may not know that what you're buying that there's any difference between the EPAC exclusive and the regular. You might want the regular and end up buying the EPAC exclusive. That can happen too if you're not really paying attention to the details. So I hear you on that. Okay, let's go back to the auction and run through. Looks like most of the items have ended. So the two C56 cards, the Riley Hearn does 372, the Paddy Moran 840. My Charlie Conacher does 2520. And I do think that's going to be an all-time high. Um, I remember negotiating with someone on the, about on this card for sale when I was at the Toronto Expo last year, and I think I had a price at I think I had a price at two thousand Canadian. They came up, they were offering sixteen hundred Canadian, but would not budge more. And this thing just sold for over three thousand Canadian. So I'm glad I didn't let it go. I think I, my hunch was right that this was a, a great card. Uh, the guard, the Hainsworth goes for five sixteen. The Laval Derry Jacques Plant three seventy two. The Terry Sawchuk PSA two does five sixty four. The Bellevo PSA 4 with the above average eye appeal rating does 1590. The PSA 5 Gump Worsley does 360. The PSA 8 My Card does 3960. Sawchuck 54, 54 Tops does 216. Glenn Hall PSA 1 still alive at $100. That's the only card still alive so far. The Glenn Hall. Uh, my Bobby Hall PSA 4.5 does 3360, which I think I'm pretty happy with that. You got a lot of bits on that because when we started the show, that was in the 1000s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like 17 something, I think, or 18 something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Steve Beak in the house. Steve Beak says, I think Kaboom is closer to the Panini version of PMG. Yeah, maybe because the Kabooms have parallels now, as do the PMGs have three colors. So yeah, Steve, you're probably right about that. I, I not going to disagree. Uh, hey, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for joining and letting us know you are here. Uh, continuing on, the we cover. Oh yeah, the Bobby Hall SGC seven beautiful copy does ten five. So Josh, that's significantly less than the twenty eight k that it sold for last time. The Gordy Howe nineteen sixty uh, Parkers does one eighty. The Jerry Cheevers PSA one does ninety six dollars. The Rogi Vashon PSA one does thirty eight. The Tony Esposito. PSA four does 86 bucks. I think that's a steal for that. It's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. four. Uh, really maybe one or two small, more small bids on the Ken Dryden came in 372. The, so this is, this is about right. The PSA eight Opeachy bought Wayne Gretzky does 12, six. Now, if this was truly an exceptional copy, which I don't think this one is, I just disagree with the PWCC. I appeal rating on this one, but hey, that's fair. Agreement is not required. Um, I think this would have sold for about $2,000 to $3,000 more if it was mm-hmm. truly a, a beautiful copy. The Authentic does 504. The Mario Lemieux PSA 8 Tops does 360. Patrick Waugh PSA 9 Tops 384. The Broder does 60 bucks. 
and the very funny Steve Eiserman blank front back in front <laughs> does $11. And then on page two, the Bell 4 rookie does $42. The Gretzky Elite Inserts, $57. My Gretzky Ultra Power does $504. I'm very happy with that. If this was Michael Jordan, it would have sold for you know $17,000, but it isn't. <laughs> it's Wayne Gretzky, and it does $504. Uh, another one of mine here does 120, the, the XPX Finite Spectrum. Beautiful card here. This Gretzky autograph does 930. The limited logos, Sidney Crosby does 990. Again, these are all sold. The Jambalaya Ovechkin does 1590. The Bure, $13. My Iserman Pseudo PMG Green does 288. Johnny Gaudreau Rubies, 108. McDavid. Premier RPA, 4080 1320 on the Austin Matthews Diamond Relic Rookie at a 99 Meanwhile, the McDavid second year at a 5 does $900. The Ajo Rubies, $192. The Barzal Rubies, $31. The McDavid Fanimation, $900. The Kucherov Sub-Zero Gold out of 8 does $49. And currently still alive is the McDavid Jambalaya at 18 and a quarter. It's going to go into the next window. And we are now in the one minute window section. So this should happen pretty fast. Go to a couple comments and then we'll get Josh. Uh, hopefully you have a few things to say, saving up here. Um, first off, I'm going to go up here to the professors. Jambalayas are in Marvel collection and other sports is what I'm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they certainly they certainly are. That may create appeal. I think it goes the other way. I think I think that having Mar having Jambalayas in the sports gave appeal to them in Marvel. Same thing for Jet for PMGs. I think it's the opposite direction, Professor. Ladies Man says, ever thought of putting your cards up for sale or trade on one of your shows before auction or keeping that away from the flow of the show? Um, I don't know what you mean by that. Ever thought of putting your cards up for sale or trade on one of your shows? No, I don't sell my cards on my shows. Um, but I do use my my content partners as consignment sellers. Pretty much all of them uh, I will sell with. So um, I think that addresses your first part um, or keeping that away from the flow of the show. Yeah. I think he's being critical. I don't, th I think maybe saying, or are you keeping it away from the flow of the show? So yeah, I, I, I think that's what he's saying. And yes, I do. I don't, I don't, I, I don't do like any, stream selling of my own cards but if my cards are going to be on a pwcc platform when i'm when and we're doing the show um, i'm just gonna i'm gonna be very transparent let you know they're mine and uh go from there good evening 90s hockey collector good to see you as always and the professor says i was outbid on the 96 ultra power wayne gretzky the buyer's premium was a factor in my not continuing to bid well the overall price then right i mean the the buyer's premium is, just becomes part of the price. That's how I look at it. But hey, professor, that's the thing. Set your price, your max price on a card, bid up to that. Maybe reconsider it at, at the final moment if you want to go a bit above your final price. And if not, there's always more cards. There's always going to be more cards out there. I do think that in time, this will prove to be a steal because it is a pop eight. This is a tough card to grade. And I think as, as Gretzky gains more hobby love amongst the whole hobby, that a card like this from the 90s in such low pop, eight is going to be a much more valuable card. But I'm going to use this these proceeds for other things. 
Professor says, I was hoping to bid on an Oli Lefsa auto, but none were in the auction. Oli Lefsa, Josh. There you go. And ladies and gentlemen, not being critical whatsoever, just meaning you could probably have a show selling and trading some of your more unique. Yeah, I kind of oh, okay. think, yeah, I thought that's what you meant, ladies, man. And um, it has crossed my mind, but I just haven't done it. And um, maybe one day we'll see. But thank you for for clarifying your comment. And that that is how I how I, I perceived it. Josh, um, anything, let's just, before you jump in, oh, it looks like, this is now sold. So the McDavid has sold for $23.70. And the other card was the Cheevers that was still alive. Let's see if that's ended now. Where'd it go? Where'd the Cheevers go? I think go? it's down. There you go. Right here. Sold for $96. Was that the last one? Yeah, every, they've all sold. All the cards mm -hmm. that we were watching tonight have now sold. I'm just going to scroll through to confirm. And it does appear to be the case. So... We can close up the auction. We've gone through all the final sales prices. I think that was I think that was a a fun auction tonight, Josh. Like I I enjoyed these cards tonight, and um, it's always fun having a few of mine in there too to get to. Uh, I think someone got a great price on a couple of of my cards in particular, the the green Iserman. Who if you if if anyone here got that, like congratulations, and. Um, you know, in a way, I'm happy for the buyer. I am, I'm not so happy for myself, but I'm, I'm also not I'm, I'm not sweating it, but I'm happy for the buyer. That's a great card. And I, I hope I'm going to see an Instagram post or something tomorrow. Josh says, yeah. you know, look at look at my my new green PMG Iserman out of 10 that I got for $288 at Jeremy Lee's uh, expense. So thank you, Jeremy. And, and I'll, I'll be happy for that person. But any uh, any kind of final thoughts, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? It was a goalie collector's dream. It seemed like most of the cards were pretty amazing goalie cards. Again, we saw the trend continue of having some really low grade but high appeal vintage cards. And, you know, what I appreciate about your and sorry, ladies, man, I didn't uh, I wasn't being negative when I said I just thought you might be making a criticism, but I'm glad you corrected that. But one of I think the the silver linings, I guess, to the audience and myself included, when you share these experiences of you maybe selling some of your cards is just the fact that uh, even the best laid plans sometimes don't work out, right? And that's the way it goes, buying and selling cards in this hobby that a lot of these auctions come down to the right people at the right time, having the money disposable and the time and attention to compete against each other, to make it happen. And sometimes you have a card that you'd be happy getting $200 for that sells for 400 and other times you, uh, you know, take one on the chin and that's just kind of part of life in the hobby, I guess. Uh, exa that's exactly it. And I mean, listen, I did pretty well. I, I feel like I, on, on the Charlie Conacher tonight, I was expecting it to sell for like 17, $1,800. It cracked 3000, I think. Right. So yeah, I'm, uh, you know, Oh no, sorry. It did twenty five twenty? So, but it cracked three thousand Canadian, which is you know what I do the translation in my head. So, you know, I was expecting it to do like seventeen. It did before buyer's premium about twenty two thousand or so. So that's uh, it, it's not a huge difference, but it's a lot more than the six. I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe I should have taken that sixteen hundred Canadian offer on that card in person at the Toronto Expo last year, but now. I'm going to net more like 20, you know, 
25 20s with buyers for so i'm gonna net like 2600 canadian so almost a thousand more than i was offered i'm pretty happy with that and if i were yeah. to say oh maybe i should have taken 1600 canadian well i apply that thousand to the eiserman all of a sudden oh look i got 1200 for the eiserman i didn't i recognize that but these are the things that we use to rationalize when you smooth it over all the cards that i've sold tonight i'm not i'm not gonna lose any sleep over the gretzky oh sorry over the eiserman i'm just not yeah. and the other thing that when i thought you were almost going to say about it was it's i'm just going to show you guys the card for a second because i'm going to make a critique on the design of it so here's the card and it's it's kind of dark as you can see but yeah if this if see this like almost rebar kind of steel design element up here and down here if they just didn't do that and instead it was green throughout this card would be a lot nicer like i i do not mm -hmm. love the design of this year one of the reasons why i moved the card i love steve eiserman i like collecting steve eiserman but this card aesthetically does not please my my palette so i was willing to move it out of my and it was a personal collection card but i moved it for that reason and so maybe that's what held it back as well not just the fact that you know we know it's out of 10 practically speaking maybe it's not just the that 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 wasn't listed in the in the title where it says out of 100 here because it's really a carpet copy out of 10 it's like the first 10 are green the next 90 are red so in any event um i i think your comment is is good is is a fun comment that you know it's it actually adds a fun element i think to the show when you mm -hmm. or me and it's been me so far are selling some cards because you get to you get to watch our authentic or at least my authentic kind of response to these to these cards selling what they're going for and hear my thoughts on them so pretty cool pretty fun. yeah i don't i don't sell many cards <laughs> that's my problem i gotta actually start doing that and i'm actually we're we're setting up at a local trade show uh on saturday for the very first time ever so i'm gonna have my virgin experience as a dealer at a trade show and uh, we'll see if I like it or not, if it ever happens again. But I, I'm def I'm more of a of a buyer than a seller, unfortunately. Good stuff. Louis says, "Boy, peace, boys. Gong Show podcast tomorrow. Yeah, the Gong Show pod will drop at 3 a.m. late tonight, early tomorrow morning. So catch that. And uh, also the PWCC premiere live auction show with myself and Adam Gray will be this Thursday. And you know, a little bit of a a sneak, not a sneak peek, but a little bit of a hint. I also have two cards in that auction that we'll be selling. So, oh, let me guess. Okay, because I know all six. Are they hockey? Please don't guess. <laughs> no, you I know. I I know. There's. I've I've got the the hockey cards memorized. There's a there's PSA ten Lemieux rookies, both tops and OPG. Mm. Wouldn't be one of those. There's a Austin Matthews NHL Shield one one auto. Mm. wouldn't be one of those there's an exquisite mcdavid rpa it, well mm. I, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this the card i hope it isn't because my favorite card in this auction is there's a ud black gretzky and mcdavid from 2015 mcdavid's rookie year it's a dual auto it's out of three tell me that that's not your card mm. it's not my card yeah i would that's not a card i would sell so Okay, now I'm gonna have to go back. And then there's one other card that I I must have forgotten because there's the. It's okay. I we we can wait till Thursday. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I I have no reason not to share. It's just kind of like building up the suspense. But if you if you, it's the one you didn't name. I'll put it to you that way. 
Okay. And it's, it's, it's escaping me right now, but I know it'll come to me in a minute. And then, yeah, one hockey card, one basketball card of mine in this uh, this month's premiere. So that'll be on Thursday. Adam and I will be covering that. I believe Karn will be joining us uh, as our special guest cool. later later in the night. Dave Kaplan says many of those top Gretzky RCs were undersized and not trimmed. Yep, that is the case. And Cards AH thinks the duel is Mr. Foch's. That's my friend Stephen. And um, maybe it is his. I'm not sure. But um, all right. Well, listen. Let's let's wrap up and uh, thanks everybody for joining. This was a fun one. Uh, congratulations on your sales. Congratulations on your purchases. If you purchase cards, we know the professor. I think pick maybe. No, I don't think you picked one up tonight, professor. But um, congratulations, everybody. Thank you as, as always for joining. The Gong Show releases uh, late tonight, early tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday with another episode of the premiere. I'll be doing it likely in this same room. I've actually I'm going to be. Uh, coming back to Winnipeg. I'm here now. I'm flying home tomorrow, coming back probably the next day uh, for a funeral on Wednesday and probably be doing the show from here on Thursday again. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Gary. Say both. Appreciate having you here and everybody else as well. Say goodbye, Josh. Bye, Josh. All right. Bye, Josh. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. This show is now over. <laughs>